Welcome everyone to another Film Roundtable. My name is Matthew Wolf, and I'm very excited to introduce our two panelists today. But before I introduce them uh, and get started on the conversation, I, I want to lead us through a moment of silence to honour all the 2,899,782 reported worldwide COVID deaths as of today. And we're filming this, recording this roundtable on April the 8th, 2021. We'd also like to honour all of our black and brown brothers and sisters, as well as our First Nation brothers and sisters, whose lives have been taken by the hands of police brutality and other senseless acts of violence. So we can take a moment of silence, that'd be great. Okay, thank you for that. Um, you know, we've been holding these moments of silence since our first round table, and we feel that it's important to hold this awareness, you know, as we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and even though the vaccines are starting to, you know, to be, thankfully, to be rolled out in many countries, there's, there's still many countries and many people around the world that won't, don't, won't have the vaccines available to them, and so we want to acknowledge the importance of being safe and empathetic towards one another. That being said, uh, we're, you know, we're very excited. Uh, we've been very excited about this round table for a long time. Uh, it's taken a while to put together, but uh, I'm super excited that it finally worked out. So uh, I'd love to welcome, introduce you to Mark Ruffalo and Derek C in France. And uh, welcome guys. I wanna thank you both you know, so much for joining us at the Film Round Table and taking the time to share some of your experiences. Uh, but before we start, I'd like to remind all of our listeners to subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, uh, follow us on Instagram and subscribe on our website to be added to our mailing list to get updates about future roundtables. So with that being said, uh, I want to start by saying congratulations to both of you on the, the masterpiece. That is, I know that this much is true. It was a masterclass performance from both of you on so many levels. And I felt lucky that I was there for, for, some, for some of it and a part of it, you know, to witness the magic unfold. Uh, Mark, congratulations on the extremely well-deserved Golden Globe, Emmy, ARP, and Screen Actors Guild wins for your portrayal of Dominic and Thomas. Thanks. Uh, so well-deserved. And D Derek, uh, you should have won multiple awards for Best Director too. Uh, I did vote for you. But, um, oh, so, nice. so did I. <laughs> I didn't vote. Hey, uh, I remember the first time, Matt, you showed up on set because we had a lot of different uh, operators coming in all the time. So I just, and and I met you, I think, briefly, but I remember uh, we were shooting a lot of two-camera setups at the time because there was so much dialogue and so much about performance and we would just try to cross cover you know these great performances that were happening before our eyes and you were on you know, I always have two monitors I'm right next to the camera right close to the actors and I have the, the A camera and B camera and I was noticing how dominant the B camera was looking today on that first day you were there 
and I and I remember asking Jody, our DP, I was like, who's who's on who's on B? You know, who's who's B camera? And and clearly, once I met you and, and got to know you, I clearly you were so overqualified for the job. But I don't know, maybe it's a secret, but I started calling you beef. Because That's what it was. You were, you were the B camera, but you were you were beef. And I was just like, where's beef? Because you were you were bringing it every day. So and I remember we just didn't want to let you were you came for like a day or something. And then we just didn't want to let you go. No. Yeah, you added so much to the film. You had such That's what he calls you, Matt. He still calls you beef. He's like, we're doing this film round table with beef. <laughs> I've forgotten that nickname. That's funny. Uh, How do you feel about it? I mean, it was, you know, it's so funny. I think somebody asked me how how I felt about that. I I think as long as, uh, I don't mind it actually. I I like nicknames. Uh, I've been, you know, a lot of people call me Wolfie for my last name. I worked on it many years ago. I worked on a, on a show um, called Growing Up Gotti. It was a reality show when I first came to the States and the God and the Gotties thought I'd look like, um, uh oh. oh gosh something about mary um the guy oh, chris, the uh, chris uh i know you're talking yeah. about yeah you do kind of look like Letterman all the time chris What's that? the guy yeah. who was on letterman all the time yeah he was, oh. on, uh, he was in um schitt's creek too yeah, yes, yes, he was. That's him. And I can't remember his character's name. Woogie. It was Woogie. And all the time, like they'd be, they'd be, you know, like, they'd be, you know, talk to me like, um, what was her name? Goddy's daughter. I can't think of her name now. I can't believe it. She's got me. Hey, uh, Woogie, get over here. I got, you know, do I look good today? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, you look great. I was like, who is this Woogie guy? I had no idea who he was. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so to be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't overly excited by Wiggy, but beef kind of, you know, comes up many like I'm strong, oh, I yeah. taste good, you know, like you want me around. So, uh, no, yeah. I, I was very happy to have that. It was okay, a new good. nickname. And, uh... Substantial. <laughs> You're substantial, man. You brought a meal. <laughs> it was uh, that first day was was, yeah, was amazing, actually, because I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know I was walking into uh, a, a set that was shooting film and um which I'll ask you guys about later, but um, uh, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was intense. I think the scene was uh, at Hollyhock at the house. Um, yeah, Dom, Mark, uh, you, you and your, uh, and John were playing a scene that you guys were. I think we, we, he was drunk, and uh, it was kind of pretty intense scene, and. Uh, um, Came, you know, right into the thick of things, and you know, there was there was kind of like a big demand of of attention in in a in a very unusual way because it was it was intense, and I was like straight into it, and I immediately felt like I knew that I was in something special. So uh, I was I didn't know, of course, like you said, I didn't know that I was going to be there as long as I was, but I'm very grateful that I was. But enough about me um, for now. Um, you know, I, I like I've that heard part. You, you like that part? Yeah, I like that part. I like talking about you. <laughs> well, we can talk about me later if you like, but let's, let's talk about you. Know, people are not going to tune in to listen to my story. They want to listen to your story. It's um, our story. You were there. That's true. That's true. It was, yeah, it's a pretty special story. Um, 
I mean, this, it was a special story. It was clear for, uh, for all the production to see, you know, how much the project meant to both of you. Um, uh, you know, um, not having worked with either one of you before, I've got no reference point um, from other productions. You know, I can say that it was clear that you were both pouring your heart and souls into the production, you know, with such a clearly what must have been a huge budget show, you know, you guys both managed to make it feel personable on set so much so that there was a sense of camaraderie and collaboration across every level. Everyone felt invested in the show. Um, I wanted to ask you about that, but before I do, I wanna, I wanna show you a picture, share, share a picture that, uh, and see if it jogs a memory. Let's see if I can do this real quick. Um, <laughs> day two. Day two. Day two. So uh, Derek has this uncanny ability. He remembers every single day and what we shot on that day. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, how many days did we shoot, Derek? 116. And he, he, he could tell you what we shot on day 112. You know, it's getting a little blurry over time, but I definitely remember this day too. Because you, you can so see- So Jody, Jody gave me this picture. Jody huh? like, gave me this picture and he said, I think this was like day two or day three. And you know, this, this sums up the experience of working with these guys, you know, like, you know, the intimacy, the, the camaraderie, the fun, the joy, you know, the passion, you know, that they brought to this project and that everyone felt across the board, you know, is summed up by this photo, you know, the three of us in the front seat of, a, you know, of this car. And um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to, I'm keen to hear, you know, what made it so special for both of you, you know, and why, you know, yeah, what, what made it so special? Love Let's start with you, Mark. Love that picture so much. Okay. I miss that. <laughs> I really miss that. <laughs> this year has been horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. We, uh... Derek, what made yeah, it like what, that? What made you... I mean, I look at that picture and I think about just The thing that always comes to mind with I know this much is true is it felt like we were on vacation together. And I feel like we had spent so many years talking about it and you know struggling to get there. And every film that I've ever made has this a bit of a sense of this to it that all the work happens before you get to set. But then once you get on set, that's like, that's the life. That's when life starts. That's when I feel like I look at me and Mark in that picture and I just see the joy that we had every day working, no matter how grueling or intense or vulnerable or how much pressure we had on us or the intensity of the scenes, it was always it felt like being on vacation and doing in like actually being truly so present and alive and just thankful. I mean, I look at my whole life as a filmmaker and 116 days is a lot of days, 
But over the course of five years, 116 days, isn't that big of a percentage? Now, if I go back to like, look at Blue Valentine, that was like 12 years and I got 23 days to shoot it in. And that's an even smaller percentage. So I, I think the time that we're able to actually be in that moment and be alive. And I feel more alive in those moments than I do in any other time in my life. I mean, except maybe like the birth of my kids. Um, that it's, uh, it's really precious time, you know? And you look back on it now, two years later, I mean, that, we shot that on April 10th, 2019 was the day. Um, so almost two years to the day that that picture was taken. And yes, we're in a to you know, totally different world. Pandemic or not, I would still look back at that moment and think like, none of those moments are guaranteed. You know, you never know when you're gonna be on making your next film. You never know when you're gonna be working with people, you know, that you love. And yeah, it's a blessing that that, that picture symbolizes just a true blessing. That's awesome. Pretty, pretty beautifully summed up. Yeah, exactly. So, um, just the yeah, the the height of you know all of the work and all of the years and um, all of the experience at, at an age where like we really know who we are and kind of what we're doing and have. Uh, an enormous amount of freedom um, within the structure of, of our craft, of, of this work. And, uh, you know, we, we just know that world and we know where we're going and we delight in the uh, danger and we delight in the, um, the uh, speed of it and the, the messiness and, um, and the, delight the uh the magic i mean every day we were we were we were really chasing magic and uh and we were good at it you know we we knew how to chase magic and so that so we're we have big smiles on our face because you're in the mystery you know you're like you're right in the middle of what we're all hunting what we're all looking for in one form or another which is to touch the mystery to be to be part of the mystery to be to be alive in it to be to be swimming in that in that in that river um so yeah it was like that for, for for all of it it was a really special experience yeah it was i think about it though too mark like day two so like you and i just started working together at that moment and but we had been working together for like i said five years talking about it or like meeting at breakfasts or like having meetings but you'd or working, like literally working, working on the script, working on, yeah. you know, even the work we did in prep, all that. But you never prep. know until you start, until that camera comes, if the magic, if you, if you have the magic and how far do you have to push to get the magic or do you have to manufacture it the whole time? And I think on that day too, I real, I was feeling like it's here. Yeah. It's, it's Which just right. here. Yeah. It's just here. We just got to not like do too much to, to uh, get in its way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's funny because I didn't know it took that long to kind of from the start, from the process it's, when you say five years, do you say five years from when you guys started collaborating on it? Cause Mark, you had the project first. Is that right? I mean, how did it come about exactly? 
I um yeah I I um I read it. I met with Wally Lamb. It had come on the market. I mean, it, yeah, it come on the market. It had been in in turnaround for like sixteen years. Um, probably I think there was something like twenty seven drafts of the thing in Fox as a film, and they couldn't crack it. And um, you know, it was funny because it. it everyone was chasing this material and and Wally reached out to my agents and you know said um would Mark be interested his agent reached out to my agents and said would Mark be interested in this and uh I hadn't read it um but everyone that I loved had read it and loved it and so I literally had a weekend, you know, they were like, we can't wait, you know, it's moving quickly. There's, there's, there's so many people that want this. And I said, well, give me the weekend. And I re read 900 pages, you know, in three days, which is crazy for me being dyslexic. And, um, but I couldn't put it down. I, and I loved it. And I knew, I knew what to do with it. And, I knew how to play it and, you know, I could see, I could see it. And, um, and so I, I met with Wally and I said, listen, I don't, I don't have the money uh, that these people that you're, that are chasing this do, but um, I, I, I feel like I can get this. I know I could get this made and I, and I, and I will make it a priority to get it made quickly. So you don't have to wait another 16 years. And if I can't, if I can't move this in, in give, give me, um, Give me a year. If I can't move this in a year, I'll give it back to you. We'll shake hands and we'll 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 move on. You know, you you, you could. I don't want I don't want to keep you hanging on. I I want to. I, I know that you've been waiting to get this made. If I can't do it, I'll give it right back to you. And um, and he said, okay, let's do let's do that. And we shook hands at at, at the breakfast table. And, um, and he said, who, who, do, who are you thinking of to direct it? And I said, Derek C. And, uh, and, he, and he said, I like that idea. I love that idea. And I said, uh, well, we're friendly and I've wanted to work with him for years. And I think he wants to work with me and uh, I, I wanna, I'm gonna reach out to him. And so I uh, reached out to Derek and <laughs> Derek, poor Derek. Derek is like, man, <laughs> this isn't my thing. <laughs> I don't know about doing a book. I like to write, you know. And I said, well, let's, you know, uh, let's just, I think Derek, I was like, let's go for a walk. Let's just walk and talk. Mm -hmm. And we walked into Central Park. I think we walked for like three hours. We walked, you know, oh, we okay. talked about life and our families and filmmaking and um, a little bit about this here and there and how we would do it. And uh, slowly but surely I saw him start to be like, huh, how would we do the twin stuff? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, you know, we could do that. I, I've been doing it, you know, and we could do it as real. I mean, it, it'll feel, we can, we can make it, we can make this work. The technology is there and, and, um, and he's like, oh yeah, I don't like those technology movies. And I was like, yeah, I know, but we we we'll we'll just we'll integrate that. You won't we won't even know that is happening. Not that I don't <laughs> like those technology movies. I just don't like the technology. Me doing those technology. Yes. Movies. Yes. Now at this point in my life, I love yes. those technology movies, but 
I'm not the guy for that right now. Yeah. I'm not the person. That, I'm not that, the that, that was the, that's what he was expressing to me. Not, not that he didn't like technology movies, but he didn't, he didn't feel comfortable working in that tech. Yes. Right. Is that right? I didn't want green screens. Yeah. I didn't want, I didn't want the, the tail. I, I didn't want the machine to be bigger than what was happening in front of the camera. Yes. That's always my nightmare as a filmmaker is that when what, because I've seen that happen so many times. I go walk, I would, when I was struggling to make films, I would walk by sets in New York City. I remember I walked by a set in New York City one time and it was in the middle of December and there was two actors in the middle of the street on it, over in Chinatown and they were kind of cold and they were trying to warm each other up and I kept walking like this. And as I walked, I was like tracking along. And so I walked past them, the actors first, passed by the actors and then I passed by the camera you know, a little while later, the camera pointing at the actors. And then I followed this camera that had these long cord cables running from the camera. And that ca those cables tracked for like a block and a half. And they eventually uh, found themselves inside of a tent. And in this tent was all these monitors. And in that tent, was it was filled with people and there was heat lamps. And they were all eating hors d'oeuvres and little like crackers with uh, prosciutto on them and cheese. And they were sipping hot cocoa. And they were all looking at these this bank of monitors, this, 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 this cast of judges watching the actors freeze their ass off in front of the camera and judging what they were doing. Whether that was were, me. Yes, that was you. And I thought to myself, I. Why is what's why is everything in here so much bigger than what's than what's going on with those two actors? And so I was just like, I want that tent. I don't want that here. If I ever get a chance to make a film, it's gonna be that camera and those actors. And that's it. All this other stuff, like I don't, I don't, I don't want the machine. And of course, the machine is very helpful in some ways, but it can become it can become just excess. And after He's right there. I mean, huh? that, you know, you saw it, but Derek is there laying in the back seat with a clamshell monitor, you know, or he's, you know, laying on the seat next to me. You know, he, he's, he's there. He, I, I never worked the director who is always there with you, talking to you, talking to you, you know, right there. And um, and loving you and 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 loving what you're doing, you know, and um, and you feel so it's so intimate. You 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 you're there, Matt. You saw, and it just is. Uh, it's so it's so immediate, and and that is the, the pushing away of the technology, so that he's actually in the mix of that's there's a sacred space there. Whatever space is between the camera and the actors, when that camera's rolling, that is a sacred space. And when the director is inside that space, he's part of that space. And that's rare that a director will bring himself inside that space. It almost never happens. When I directed my movie, that's exactly where I was 
And when I went back to that monitor and I saw, you know, the first day there was like 10 producers sitting back by that monitor and I walked back there and they're all start like, what about this? What about that? What about this? I was like, give me a fucking clamshell. And I went and I sat, I literally sat on the dolly or I sat on just like there and I directed the whole movie from there. And I never went back to that monitor again because that is where it's happening is there and mm-hmm. Derek did that Derek was there and yeah. so you did it there D whatever yeah. you do whatever promise you made to yourself yes. on that cold night in I, in Chinatown yes. what 30 years ago has it been that long maybe 22 23 years I, yeah but yes yes that intimacy that's it you know to say like I still have there, there's always a video village happening on my sets. And in that video village, that is a very sacred place. There's a group of producers that'll be there, but it's, it's, it's not a hangout spot. It's not a place to judge. And I go, I, I often will, when I'm, when I feel like I'm, I'm stuck or something, or when I feel like we've gotten somewhere and I feel like we're good, I will always go back and confer with the team. And just yeah. talk to them about what they're seeing because oftentimes I've had, you know, between Greg Feinberg and Lynette Howell and Ben Browning and Jamie Patrickoff on this, there was all, you know, and when Wally visited, there was always those voices back there that I was just interesting what interested in what they were seeing, you know, and and I'm not so precious about like protecting it against, but I don't want all those voices all the time. I don't want those voices to ever come to you. Mark, you know, on set or, or any of the other actors. I don't want, I don't want it. I don't want any, I don't want, I want you guys to get, I always want the actors to get lost in the world and not to think about anything that they're doing could be good or bad. You know, there's no, there's, I, I try to go in with zero judgment. And so those producers usually do that too. Then they're not judging. They're just talking about opportunities, what other opportunities in a scene could be. And I've, been saved by my producers many times who've you know said maybe you want to try you know uh try this I was watching that scene and that line really stuck out to me is there somewhere further you can go with it not necessarily being prescriptive but inspirational and I feel like that's that's the energy I'm always looking for on a film set it's just inspiration who's got an idea exactly I I always encourage that from all all the all my crew like always come to me no matter you know where you are what you're doing if you've got an idea i want to hear it and if it's if it's good i'm going to steal it no i mean if it's good i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna say you know this was the key grip or this was the grip or this was you know the, the you know whatever the camera system thought we should try this i think it's a really good idea what do you think you know like if it if i feel like it's going to make that contribution is going to make the project better then you know you want that and i think that that helps you know the inclusivity a little bit and uh makes people like i said in the beginning like you guys created this atmosphere on the set and you know and i think probably you know part of it is because you were sitting right next to the camera i mean the amount you know i've worked on a lot of projects and i don't think i've ever had a director sit that close to me either you know i've been been doing this for about 25 years too i don't know so, and you know there'd be you know that first day is a couple of times and you know like you're like tapping me on the shoulder I'm like who's tapping me in and it's you you're right there um geez I tell you uh, one thing this the 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 director's chair is 
that there's no other piece of furniture in the world that I despise more than <laughs> And before we were like, we were about two weeks out of production and the office was like excited to show me, like, look what we got in. And they had all these director's chairs with everyone's names on the back embroidered on the back. And I was like, I don't want to see a director's chair on set ever. And the producer's like, that's crazy. People need a place to sit. Producers need, I was like, I'm never going to sit. I will never sit on, on set unless I'm on the ground. Um, I was like, or on a chair in the set, but I don't want to sit. I want to be in with the, I want to be alive, you know? And <clears throat> so they said, well, you need director's chairs because we need a place to sit. And I was like, okay, fine. But you got to take the names off of them. There's no hierarchy of chairs. Like this is your chair. What is this grandpa's living room? And, like only <laughs> grandpa can sit in that chair. I used to hate that. You know, when I go over to my grandpa's house, I'd go sit in his chair. You know, that's not, you don't own, I mean, maybe he did own that chair, but on a movie set, you can quickly get so, it can move so fast into that hierarchy. I did have an actor say to me, you've put your, your script is on my chair. Wow. You were directing? And, and, and there was a row of chairs. There was chairs open all over the place. This was a British and, actor, Mark. I'm, we're just going to try to piece together the mystery. I'm not, I'm not telling you. Because you, you had a British accent when you said that. <laughs> but not a good one. You have to it watch wasn't that. a good impression. I, I, purposely, I purposely didn't make it a good impression. You purposely. But, but, and I said, um, oh, I, and I looked and there was six other chairs all there next to us. And I, <laughs> I thought he was joking. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, 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 I sort of laughed and he's like, your script is in my chair. And I said, um, <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> and I picked it up and put it <laughs> in the chair next to his. But um, yeah, that's a that's a crazy thing. Yes, a chair with your name on it. I I know. Don't ever give me a chair with my name on it ever. Note to self: Do not buy Derek a chair with his name on it for his birthday. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an amazing awesome. story. Now you do you do know that we're gonna. We're not going to rest till we find out who that was now. Don't you know? <laughs> well, I haven't worked with that many Brits, so it won't be long uh, oh, if no. you work hard enough. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't me saying that you left it on the dolly chair or anything like that. Was it? No, no it wasn't. Definitely <laughs> not you. <laughs> no. Um, so you know, I, I'm interested to know. I mean, obviously, this is such a complex show and such a deep, such a deep show on so many levels. I mean, you know, you've both done, tackled, you know, many heavy stories, you know, uh, you know, many different roles. And, you know, I'm, I'm keen to know uh, how this, you know, or maybe it didn't, I don't know, how did it differ from your past projects, you know? Um, and, you know, something that I'm kind of really interested in as well is, is you guys are both EPs on the show, co-creators. So how did that, how did that differ? How did that change your normal approach? Like as an actor, as a director, you know, and that relationship with each other, um, 
you know, when you're both, you know, when you're both coming in as creators, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to know about that. Derek, why don't we start Mark, with you? Mark, you taking this one first, or am I taking this one? No, first? you, you first, pal. So I was, I, I didn't. I mean, quite frankly, I never, we'd never talked about this, Mark, but I was a little uncomfortable about it. I didn't, or I just didn't have any experience with it in that way, like working with someone who was going to be in front of the camera, who was also behind the camera with me. And, um, you know, because it's, I just didn't know what, what those rules were, you know, because as a, as, as the director, I've always found myself to be like the leader, but I try to lead from the back, you know, I, I try to lead with everyone out in front of me, um, and, and guide that way. Um, and it's hard to do than if someone else is leading from the front. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to lead from the back if someone else decides they're going to lead from the front. And then it, be, it creates like a weird power struggle and then something. So I just didn't know. And I, and you and I, I was a fan of your movies. I had tried to get Mark to be in Blue Valentine at one point, which he never returned my phone call. Um, then I'm, we met. That's not true. You didn't I, call me. <laughs> I didn't call you, but I sent the script. Let's get this script to, uh, to that guy, Mark Ruffalo. Did you see, you could count on me? He would be great in this movie. I was and then I said, 13 going on 30. Yes, exactly. You were doing 13 going on 30. You know what the problem was, Derek? You left it on his chair. Exactly. Yes. That was the script. <laughs> that was the script I had on the chair, which the actor took and threw in the garbage. And that was it. No, I, I yeah. Did feel, did, I mean, and it's all like weird credits, but, I, but, at the, but every time we got together and talked about what we were going to make it was it felt like simpatico you know it felt like effortless it felt like we were on the same page and I would turn in scripts and you would respond to them and it was always so awesome to talk to you about it you know and I just remember that feeling of like our calls about it and taking trips to visit Wally and just being able to talk about it you know over and over again about what we could explore in this thing and we just and we had so many similarities with our Italian American upbringing. So it was like a label, the credit, but it was basically like we were just doing what we were doing and we just had the responsibility that we pitched it and we just felt super, super responsible for it. Like we would have in any case, you know? So I, it, I, I was only, I went into the unknown and it turned out to be not a, not a thing. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I think part of your job as a producer is, is, you know, finding the people that that you trust and you love and and you want to um, foster. You want to you want to embrace them and you want to you want to create um, the most um, kind of nurturing uh, atmosphere for them to be the best that they can be. It, it's not very much different than Derek's approach to directing. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm an executive producer and, and I guess you could say, you know, I had, a, I had, you know, some executive kind of power or, or whatever, but really for me, it was always uh, deferential um, to Derek and his vision and, um, and wherever I was asked to participate uh, with the scripts, um, 
the pitches, uh, uh, casting, those places I, I, I participated as a collaborator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, Derek and I's vision was, was absolutely in sync from the very beginning. And, uh, and it was just a partnership but it was definitely led by Derek and, and I would, was doing anything that I could to make sure that he got whatever he needed and, uh, and was backed up and, um, and could make the, the movie that, that he and I had set out to make. Yeah. I do remember that early on in our executive producer world, and I don't want to get into any specifics, but we did have an argument. We did have a, we did have a, we did have a, difference of opinion about something and I remember at the time when it was happening that I felt like this is a good thing because what we're going to learn from this Mark and I if we can survive this if we can't survive this there's no way we're going to survive 116 days together but if we can survive this and we probably will we're going to have that muscle memory for when we're on set together and things go sideways. And we're gonna know, we're gonna have that history together that we butted heads and didn't get along and felt like, you know, who's gonna like, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever those, we, we saw that each other's ugliness, probably you more than me. I mean, you saw mine more than I saw yours, but, but we went out and knew that we could get through anything together. And that no matter what, so I thought that was, I thought it was a blessing for that to happen. Oh yeah. And and I I wasn't I mean as as tough as it was that, that wasn't that wasn't anything. That that wasn't like when I came, you know, when I when I got poison ivy and I had to come to set on steroids. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I lost my mind <laughs> and and that fight that was a real fight. I mean now that that Let's was talk about scary. That? What? Let's talk about that. Yeah, Matt, do you want to talk about that? No, no, I, I want, yeah, I want to hear that story. I don't know if I was there that day. I'm not, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't remember any fights. Well, Mark, well, well, do you remember? <laughs> yes, I was such a brat. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we were, it's that, it's, it's the scene at Hatch where uh, Thomas is going in and it's a, it's literally a, what is that? A, a, a 12 page scene. I mean, and we were shooting it. The design of it was that we were going to shoot it in a, uh, a single, like uh, you know, handheld single, the, the whole thing, like a one act play. Like we were doing much of it, but this had many characters and it had, um, uh, you know, lots of moving pieces and, and a rehearsal was called uh, literally like the night before. And I had already had like 10 pages of 12 pages of dialogue to learn for that day's work. And I was on uh, steroids because I, I, I got covered with poison ivy. So I wasn't for, for doing what? the scene, you were for doing the dream sequence where you have to wake up in a field in your underwear. Yes, that's what, and I got poison ivy all over my body. And you weren't happy with me for the underwear thing either. You, I remember it was cool in the script, but when we got on set, you were like, "Do I really have to do this?" And I was like, "What does it say in this? What does it say here?" 
<laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was not happy with Derek. And, and I came in and I was like, I was just, I was in such a bad mood. And I was on steroids, which make me insane. And um, I had roid rage. And, uh, but Derek was also like not in his best either that day because we were also surrounded by real like how many like 12 different guys 12 different men all playing like security guards all methoding their own roid rage issues right yes. and it was a little bit of like who's the alpha yes in the room right yes. everyone it was the pack we were yes. trying and everyone was trying to see who's the, who's who's the alpha and it got it got kind of ugly for a minute there. But which is what the scene needed to be too. Yes, so, it did. So I was, yes, you and I didn't really get along on that day, but it was also the moment that we needed to get. And the only reason we did the rehearsal was because it was such a technically challenging scene, and so thankful that we did. But you were the thing is you, if I can remember, you were mad at me because you you couldn't remember your lines and you were mad at me that I was putting you in that position around all these other actors to not be able to remember your lines. And I kept on saying, don't worry about it. It's a rehearsal. You don't need to know your lines, but you didn't want to let those guys down. So it's always, it's always, you always have a, it's always a little bit of honor with you, Mark, you know, that's your, it's, you're, you're an honorable person. You didn't want to do that to the other actors. You were too. Yeah, I did. I, I felt like I was letting them down. And, you know, I'm number one on a call sheet and I, and I come in for this, you know, rehearsal and I, and I didn't know any of my lines. And you know how I was. I mean, I, I just wanted to be prepared. And uh, yeah, I was embarrassed and I hadn't slept and I, my balls were itching. And uh, <laughs> from the poison ivy, I mean, I had poison ivy everywhere. It was, it was awful. And uh, yeah, and I and I, I kind of like, yeah, kind of lost it that day. But it was, it was Dominic. It was Dominic trying was to control Dom the thing. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to control, wanting to, um, wanting to uh, handle it and manhandle it and um, dominate it. And I couldn't. And it, 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 and it was exactly, it ended up being exactly what the nature of that scene was for Dominic. And he loses it yeah. just like I did. I remember you came to my trailer afterwards. <laughs> I just burst into tears. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry too. <laughs> but yeah, that was um, one of those moments. You know, I think I was there that day, come to think of it, and we were outside because it was a single camera and we were outside for, for hours because I guess it took so long and I didn't know what was going on inside. Yeah, uh, we were waiting for Mark to get his lines. <laughs> <laughs> but that's beautiful. That's a beautiful moment though, right? I mean, that you can help the scene. That's, that's why specifically you, you, add, you, you actually put the poison ivy in there on purpose, right, Derek? Right. Well, no, I don't, the thing is, the, the point is like, I don't care about the lines most of the time anyway. So I was like, dude, it's not a big deal. We're just, we're just trying to get the beats here. You, we're not shooting it for real. Don't worry about it. We don't need, I don't, even on the day, I don't care if you say the lines or not. But yeah, then that made you even more mad at me. 
there's nothing you could have said to me that wouldn't have made me mad that day d and just it was just i was just in that place yeah we all get there i love so actually i mean you oh that's nice i didn't want to interrupt that stepped on that line sorry guys say it again mark <laughs> but i love you man love you too um you know, I was going to ask you about what the challenges that you guys faced, and the, clearly that was that was one of them. Um, you know, I'm interested to know uh, about the choice of shooting on film, and you know, and whether that was a challenge, and how that came across to you both, and you know, how that decision was, because you know, we're we we you know we live in a world today it's mostly digital, even though film is making a resurgence, especially with the younger generation, which is great. Um, we actually, you know, as a group, we try to, we did our, be- our part to try and save the film program at, at, a, at a highly respected school uh, that we're thinking about cutting the film program within, you know, literally learning, shooting, loading film. And we, you know, we thought that's, that would be a travesty. You know, you can't do that. So, um, you know, we, we put a letter together and we contacted many members of the AAC and uh, various people. And um, uh, so, yeah, you know, and especially a heavily effects show as this was, you know, you know, I'd love to hear about that conversation, how that went down, and from both of you. Mark, are you on? Are you on first here? No, no, you, you, you got to take this one. <laughs> Part of the fight we had that day. You, <laughs> you, you were saying something like. You were saying something. I was like, uh, "This would be better on digital today," and you're like, "Digital suck!" <laughs> and I knew I was gonna wind you up with that. I was like, "Too bad we're not shooting digital today, D." Uh huh. Well, let's go back to see. I don't have a hatred for digital. I love digital, but I think that the that the the film or the story that you're telling has to be told in the right medium, right? Yeah. And so this movie took place in the 90s and the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, 10s. And there was, if you're going to shoot on a digital format, it would have to be some sort of SD format, right? 4K, HD, whatever, doesn't, didn't exist back then. And so I feel like the world, it doesn't look like the world to me. It doesn't look like what my memories of that time are. It's too, and so... You know, I've chosen, I've shot in plenty of things digitally over the years, but it also has to inform process because I'm so cons- consumed with also process. And my, my wife uh, actually like taught me this really important lesson about film and time and how film and time are, are joined and linked. She used to make all these short Super 8 silent comedies where she would point the Super 8 camera at herself and hit, uh, you know, press the press the trigger and then go run in front of it and, and perform. And she said, you know, a super eight cartridge at 18 frames a second is like two minutes and 42 seconds. And so she used to tell me that she understood exactly what two minutes and 42 seconds was because she just felt it because she had shot so many, she just got used to the time of the clock of the, of uh, the reel of film. And so I think with film beyond the aesthetic implications of film, beyond the textural implications of film, I like film, I prefer film for what it can do to actors because I feel like it can set up um, like a shot clock, you know? And I feel like actors are like athletes. 
And so I think if Mark is like a basketball player, okay, there's 10 minutes, there's 10 minutes on the clock. And in that 10 minutes, you got to score some points, Mark. I can be the coach on the sideline, give you all the plays I want. But at the end of the day, I got to trust in you to get those points on the board. Now, if that, if you could continue shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting, it just takes out that urgency. And so I think film is like a shot clock to use another uh, metaphor. I'd say film is like a stick of dynamite. So like you can start shooting and you light the dynamite and you only have this much time until it's, it's over. And so it creates this feeling of like, let's, we have to get it. We, it, it creates an urgency. Now that can also backfire a little bit like it did on the first day of our shoot. Um, on the first day of our shoot, we had this great ambition that we were going to shoot this 22 page scene uh, with Mark in uh, Dr. Patel's office, you know, seeing his therapist. And it was 22 pages on this on the page. And a lot of it was based, most of it was based on Wally Lamb's great writing. And I, and I was just like, I was kind of like in a place with like film, like I had had to cut up my last film. I had had to cut up the third act of my last film so fast. And I just like was only servicing plot. So when I had a chance to do this for HBO, I thought I'm going to only service character and I'm going to do things that I could never do in a film. And so I'm going to shoot a 20 minute dialogue scene because I would never have the luxury of or the real estate in a two hour movie to be able to afford 20 minutes of a, of a, of a talking scene. Um, so I'm going to do it here. So I went over the top with writing it. And so that was what we decided to shoot on our first day to just set the bar. You know, it's like, it was, it was the idea of like, how do you go swimming in a swimming pool? Do you like tiptoe in you start in the, in, the, in, the, in the shallow end and slowly go in, or do you just go on the high dive and just cannonball? And so I felt like we should just cannonball into the deep end right away. And so how we had it set up is we had our two perf 35 millimeter uh, camera and we had a thousand foot ro roll on it, which lasts about 22 minutes. Now it's a 22 page scene. So if it's a page a minute, we're cutting it really close. Now, Mark didn't, always agree with the idea of shooting on film he thought that we should he thought that it was better for him as an actor to shoot digital and I was like I have this concept about sports and athletics and the shot clock and here's my shot clock metaphor mark and it's like a stick of dynamite and every time I would try to sell him on this stuff he'd be like uh, not working for me. You know, it was just like, it was a, he's, been cold. <laughs> he's like, like he's a, well, kind of. Like it still might be better to shoot <laughs> on, on, on digital for us. For yes. This. yes. So the, Plus, the, there, was a, there was a, there was a budgetary issue as well that we were, we were dealing with at some point before we decided to go to two perf. I mean, we weren't, I mean, wasn't that, wasn't moving to two perf a way that we could, we could have our, our film budget or no, was it always two perf? I, 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 I always wanted to shoot two perf because that's okay. my preferred format for 35 millimeter or for any kind of film because you, you, it's what Sergio Leone would basically shoot. You know? Buddy, I shot Sympathy for Delicious on two perf. Exactly. So I was like, dude, why do you got against me sh uh, shooting film for this? Anyway. <laughs> You know, no, no, no. I'll tell you what it was. And this is what I said. It was time. It was mm -hmm. the time that it took knowing that we were going to be, you know, putting, you know, making sausage and uh, stuffing it. Uh, I, I felt that the time that it took to load a camera 
and to clack. Done. I know. I was wrong. I, I, I well, fully no, admit. No, no, but let's talk about where I was. So let's get to this first day. Okay. The first shot, I have the camera in the room. Mark has never seen Dr. Patel's office. Dr. Patel has seen it. She's lived in it. But Mark, it's his first day in there. The camera's inside the room. Um, we start rolling. I never really call action. We start rolling, and I can hear them walking up the steps. And I hear her key go into the door. And the door opens, and here comes Mark looking around the room. The camera is watching him for the first time. He comes in, tries to find a place to, to sit. He ends up eventually sitting close to the camera, which is good. That's where we kind of wanted him. And we start going through the scene and the scene is, it's okay. I mean, it's not bad. It would, it, it, if, if we had to stop there, we'd be okay. You know, it'd be, it, it'd be okay. But, and it took a little while to get going on the scene and about, two thirds of the way through the scene, Mark started really hitting his stride and he started just getting into the pocket. Right. And I was like, I, I was just like coming alive, watching the, watching the monitor. And I started to look down at the monitor and I noticed that the footage counter was at like 920 and I'm like 920 feet. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh fuck, we still got like seven pages of this scene left. Um, he, and so I'm watching this footage counter and Mark is on fire, giving one of the, probably the best performance he gave in the whole show, like right out of the bat. Like he comes in and then pretty soon I see we're at 90, 991, 992. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to fucking roll out. We're going to roll out. And pretty soon the camera, I hear it roll out. <laughs> and, and the Jody who was shooting it at the time looked over at me and I was just like, I held him. And I just said, don't, don't. Don't take your eye off the lens, right? And so I just kept looking at the monitor. I kept my focus like this, like it was still happening, knowing there was no film in the camera. And Mark finished. He went for it for the next five minutes and committed. And I thought to myself, Mark, this is when he's going to tell me he was right. And see, I should have shot digital. Um, but anyway, we, we finished. And I, and I, told, I told Mark, we didn't get it all. Um, we ran out of film. You're going to have to speed it up a little bit. Why are you taking so much time at the beginning here? You know, um, do you, anyway, do you, what's your perspective on that story, Mark? <laughs> I knew the camera rolled up. You heard it. Yeah. What, and what did you feel? What an idiot? No, no. No, no. At that point, I was totally. That was it. We it, we were in. That uh, there was no good no way. That's how I felt too. Yeah, I'll, and and that's why I finished the scene. You know why I finished the scene? Because wow. we didn't say cut or we didn't say action, mm -hmm. and and it was no matter what to the to the bitter end. And that mm -hmm. and that was it. I was like, I'm finishing the scene like it is and, until Derek says. Uh, hey, stop, we rolled out, whatever. Fuck it, I'm going right to the end. I'm riding this train to the end. And I knew it, I knew it rolled out. I, I heard it roll out, you know, of course I did. I've been on- Not your first rodeo. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, yes, that's fucking great. Nice job. Uh, that's, that's uh, when job. I was shooting, blue, when I was trying to make Blue Valentine for all these years, it, it was kept- coming together and falling apart and coming together. And I, I was 
I was um, demo, you know, uh, our sound. Uh, I was interviewing him for a job. He was like, what's happening with the movie? I hear it's not happening. I hear the money's not there. I was like, by April 6th, we'll be shooting that film, whether or not we have film or not. If we don't have film in the camera, we're going to do the scenes without film. And uh, it's true. Like, love uh, that. But can I just say something about film on this movie? We shot, what was it, 600 hours of two per 35. It was like 1.8 million feet of film. And uh, that was a. Our, our whole motto was like, let's keep Kodak in business. Uh, I just, actually, I didn't want to interrupt the story, but just to clear it up for anyone who's watching, um, a regular four perth thousand foot mag is about eleven minutes. You got twenty two minutes because you were shooting two perth, I believe. So no, no, um, no. Right? So it was a thousand foot two perth, yeah. Yeah, so that's oh, why yeah. you're getting twenty two yeah, minutes because yeah. some yeah, people might go well. Yeah, but um, that's that's cool. See, I mean, that's amazing, right there. You know, your challenges. How you got how you got over it and the pure professionalism. Uh, you as an actor, Mark, you're not going to your haircut. And Derek, and you you as a director, you're not going to break the flow of your your lead actor. It's like you're both in it to win it, <laughs> even though you both know exactly what's going on. Like we never game. we never did we never did cover we never punched in we never whenever. We shot the whole scene every single time. We there was no okay. Let's punch in for this line or or you know my next job. I I went to work on a on a show on a movie, and we would shoot the first two pages and be like, okay, let's uh we got that. Let's 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 start cutting the next two pages of of a, of a six page scene, or okay, we're just gonna go in for this line now. And you're you're sitting there doing a series of the line completely disjointed completely divorced from the rest of the scene and and whatever you were building or working on in the in the rest of the scene and um and yeah we we every time we changed the camera angle put a different lens on we started at page one and did the entire scene and oftentimes before the scene started and we kept rolling until after the scene was over and that's where a lot of gold you find a lot of gold too Lots of gold. That's magical. Yeah. I love it. I, I actually, and that's, I wanted to ask you about that, Derek, a little bit because, you know, you heavily use zooming as part of the storytelling. On this process. one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, you don't see that very often these days. And I, and I never spoke to you about it. And I wanted to know what, how, you know, what, what, what came, you know, you know, how did you arrive at that? You know, because that's an exact reason. Like you didn't need to do a close up because you know you were zooming into a close up half yeah. the time, and and you know from just just before you go in, just like from from my perspective, when I would come on, you know, after a while you you know you grew the trust. You know, it was up to me and the other guys to kind of zoom in when we felt it was the right time, mm -hmm. and that was that was amazing. You know, because Again, it's like, you know, I think so many people show up just to, you know, to, to shoot, uh, you know, on anything, 
to shoot, you know, so they think about lighting, they think about framing, they don't think about story. There's so there's not enough people think about the story. And what, you know, ultimately the story is what drives everything mm. always. And, you know, if you can't tell that story, if you can't be involved in that story, then, you know, what are you doing there? And, you know, to give us the range like that was, was amazing uh, and mm. really special. So, uh, I'm, you know, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I wanted and, uh, the, who's, you know, I wanted, I told the, you know, the motto from the day one was that this movie would be told by, with actors, right? This story would be told by actors, not about what we can do behind the camera, not about our tricks, not about the twinning tricks that we can do and all the, you know, motion control that we can do, but it's about the actors. So whatever, th they're our primary concern, right? They are going to be telling the story for us. So as photographers then and operators or DPs or whatever, we all have to be watching the actors and engaging with them at all times. And so it, it forces the, the operators and the camera to, to, to really be in with them. You know, there's an old saying of like fly on the wall that you hear people say, and I hate that term with a passion because flies are, are nuisances. And flies on the wall, like if you have a fly in the room, you want to get rid of it. And I never want the actors to feel like the camera is a fly. I want the actors to feel like the camera is their, is their soulmate, is their, is, is their best friend, you know? And, and so what you end up having to do as an operator is mind meld, soul meld with those actors. And I think the Zoom came from that Zoom. I had initially not wanted to Zoom in this film. I had originally thought I was just gonna do a straight 50 millimeter lens the whole time, not do any kind of, you know, shoot the whole show with one lens basically. But Jody was very ad very adamant about the Zooms and Jody has used Zooms in such a beautiful way in his work. And, and I thought that, you know, I didn't wanna do any I knew I didn't want to do any dolly motion in the movie. You know, I didn't want to have any, any, uh, you know, it was only going to be pans and tilts. That was going to be the rule, you know, or handheld, but no dolly track set up again. It was too much machinery. Um, and I always feel like a dolly move is visceral, but a zoom is cerebral. You know, a zoom is like pulls you into a trance. And I thought that these characters were living such visceral, vulnerable, physical lives that that zoom could counteract with that a little bit and offer a little perspective, um, a little cerebral activity to these people who were trapped in, in, their, in their physical hell, basically. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. There's a, yeah, that's, there's a lot of gold in there. Well, hopefully everyone's writing that down, stealing, stealing Derek's ideas right now. <laughs> um, uh, you know, um, you know, you brought up, you brought up twinning. Uh, and I, I'm sure there's people out there who, who've watched the show and, you know, marveled at how well and how, how well it cut together and how well, how believable it was that Mark, that, you know, Dominic and Thomas were two different people. Um, I think if you'd, if, you'd, if you'd have come out after the, after the show and said that you'd been hiding a, a you know, secret twin brother, for, you know, your entire life, who was an incredible actor like yourself, 
and you brought him out, you've been saving him for this role, you know, to, I think people wouldn't believe you, you know? I think people would have believed you because it was, they were so well acted and so, so believable and then, and directed and the, and the, but the, the visual effects, I mean, es you know, Eric Pascarelli and his team did an incredible job uh, of, of putting it together. And, um, you know, I, I was there for setting up some of those twinning shots and it was pretty intensive, you know. How, how did that process affect both of you, you know, with your approach to the show? Because it's got to be, you know, we'll start with that, you know, the technical side of the twinning. How did it affect you as a performance as an actor, knowing that you'd have to kind of literally match those footsteps and those movements of the, you know, of the first go around? And, you know, you as a director, there, you know, like the restrictions that you'd have to kind of face. So... Well, early on, you know, when Derek and I were talking about how, how we would do this, he said, you know, I really think it's important that you have uh, a, a really good actor to play against. Um, that was scary to me because, well, first of all, <laughs> the doing the twins, at some point I was like, what am I doing? I, I, this is so crazy. And uh, now that this is happening, I don't know that I, this could be so hokey. I mean, it could just be, and I'm playing, you know, a mentally ill character and um, I went down the wrong path with that. We could talk, you know, Derek could tell you about that at some point, but he, he said, let's get a really great actor who will totally commit to these two parts the way you are. Because I really think it's important that you have an actor that you're playing off of. And um, I was nervous about that because I w was like, well, how are they gonna know how to, you know, if I'm reacting to him and it's, I do something different, you know, six weeks or, you know, six months later, you know, how are you gonna, put the two performances together. I mean, I, I, am I, will I be directing him while I'm acting with him? I mean, because he's playing both, you know, the character that I'm playing and I got kind of like crazy about it. And he's like, it doesn't really matter uh, what he does, be, just as long as there's reactions there. And, and even for Thomas, even if he's reacting to things that are different that on the day than you did as, Tom, as Dominic, it, it still works. And, um, and so he, he, he said, there's this guy, I want you to meet him, uh, Gabe Fazio. He's a friend of mine. He's a great actor. And uh, we, went, we went to lunch and he's a doll of a guy. And, um, but we didn't look anything alike really. And we were even different heights. And I was like, D, I don't know that you're gonna be able to do an over the shoulder and catch a piece of his face and, and have that work. And he said, well, 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 we'll build a mask for him. You know, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll make him look like you. And, um, you know, eventually we just scrapped the idea of, of doing over the shoulders. We, we really didn't have to do, I mean, we, Derek designed it, so we didn't have to do that, but it was, the best decision. It was, he was such a fantastic actor and he committed so deeply to these two roles. Like 
a performance of a lifetime for both of them, for, for him, you know? And, um, and it was invaluable because there's just nothing like it. And normally what would have happened is there might've been a stand-in that was reading the lines off, off screen or um, the script super, I'm looking at a tennis ball and the script supervisor's doing it. I mean, I, I've done movies where literally I'm by myself uh, looking at tape marks for all the other actors in, in motion capture, like doing a whole scene by myself uh wherever you know six months after we're done shooting and they need they want to reshoot a scene and so they'll put me in a green screen and i'm literally acting a whole scene by myself and it sucks uh and it just can never be that alive it just it just there's there's some it happens between two people you know great acting happens between two people it, it's never just one person's performance you know um and that's why I owe so much to the, to the cast. The, whatever awards I got, is, it's, it's theirs as, as, as much as it is mine. Um, but that was, there, that was that is my experience. And, and so for my experience, that was the, probably the most important thing. And then, you know, it was just, the whole thing was so dangerous. It was so we I, I never knew what I was doing you know I thought I, I went in kind of but I never knew what I was doing even each day with Dominic I didn't know what I was doing and and Derek created this he wanted it to be like that and um and so yeah that that was uh the experience of of the twinning was all about making those two people as alive as possible in, 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 their, in their particular moments of time that they were living in, six months apart, shooting two different characters, six months apart, playing the same scene. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember that moment of being unsure about what Gabe would do and if it would be different than what you would do and you were concerned about committing to something or not. And I remember telling you like, okay, Dominic has this brother. His brother isn't acting the way he wants him to. So yeah. this even the best thing that can happen is Gabe does it a way you don't think is right. Yeah. And let that let Dominic be go ahead, Mark, be frustrated with that. Because yes. Dominic is not happy with this either. And, yes. and in the scene, when the camera is rolling, try to change it. Try to change what he's doing. Change his behavior while I'm while we're rolling. And and though a lot of that stuff became, you know, became so powerful, right? Oh. But then Gabe started doing things that were like. I mean, Gabe was fucking amazing in this. I mean, talk about, I, I want to let you go, but talk about like, when I first had to tell Gabe, I was like, hey, Gabe, I got a role for you. You get to play Mark Ruffalo's brother. Um, and he's schizophrenic. And then you're going to play his other brother too. But here's the deal is that no one's ever going to see your performance. You're going to do this and you're going to get cut out of the whole thing. And Gabe, a lot of actors, or a lot of people would be like, well, that's, you know, you know, that's, what do you mean I'm not going to be seen? But Gabe was like, 
sign me up. I'm so game. And so Gabe felt every day like he was performing for Mark, for me, and for the rest of the crew. And he was doing, it was like theater to him. And like theater doesn't stay around, right? Mm -hmm. Theater disappears into the ether. And so that's how Gabe approached it. And it was, I think that choice that Gabe made, that selfless, the greatest, one of the greatest selfless acts of an actor ever became everyone's inspiration. You know, because he put on, you know, Mark put on, lost 20 pounds, put on 40 pounds. Gabe put on 40 pounds, lost 40 pounds. Do you know what I mean? Or put on 20 pounds, lost 40 pounds. He did, he did exactly the opposite of what Mark was doing and fully committed. He did the whole thing. Right. What were you going to say, Mark? I interrupted you. No, no, I, I, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was such a beautiful act and it was uh, so committed and um, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. He mm -hmm. really does. Can I just and say there were, moments, there were <laughs> moments where I was frustrated. I was like, Derek, I'm not going to play the scene like that. What is he doing? <laughs> and he's like, use that, use that, you know? <laughs> And and that's what we did, and that was the you know the the the, the I mean Derek, what, one of your geniuses is just like use what's here, use what you're, we use what's happening, you know let's let's just let's just be where we are right now, y use that, that's how Dominic's feeling, and and um, and it worked. Hey, can we talk about the weight gain too? Because I remember there was. You know, we were talking about the two brothers and one of the reasons we had to separate them in Mark, you know, we shot 16 weeks with Marcus Dominic and then he took like six weeks off. I don't know, seven, whatever he took. He took, uh, no, we shot 70 days with Dominic and then we took six weeks off or something like that. Yep. To shoot the, 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 the kids and the, because don't forget that this was so complicated because you had Mark playing twins of himself, but at the same time, we had another actor, Phil Edinger, playing the same characters and twins. And then we had two real twins who were seven, eight years old, Donnie and Rocco Maishi, who were playing the same characters. So we had like multiple layers of people playing the same characters and twins. And it was like, it was a high wire act that, you know, we just we had no idea when we were shooting it if it was going to work at all right and so anyway so we shot you know mark had taken a break because he had to transition into thomas and part of the things that we agreed on and one of the reasons we had that break was because he was going to put on weight to be thomas because thomas would have had weight because of his uh you know for, because of his medication and you know, because it's short, you know, and I had always thought that Dominic and Thomas were identical twins. So when they came out of the womb, they looked exactly alike, but they had 40, different, 40 years of life choice and experience. And so when we saw them in the present day, they should look different, you know? And so Mark had to undergo this transition. I remember Mark would call me almost every day begging, like trying to talk his way out of gaining the weight. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it, at one point it sounded like a dream because he had lost so much weight to play Dominic. He was on like a 1200 calorie a day diet. Yeah. And so he was excited to eat donuts and pasta, but like that lost its luster after like 12 hours. Right. And so every day he was called, he was. I got indigestion. <laughs> Do you remember? I got the worst indigestion. 
I couldn't eat anything I wanted to eat. I could only eat oatmeal at the end. Go ahead, keep going. And then one of the big, so I could always just tell him it's okay, just whatever, sleep in a chair, you'll be all right. But then one of the biggest things, Mark was hanging out with this very, very famous actor. Uh, a lot of people would say, you know, whatever. he's a really, really good actor, right? Yeah. One of the best actors ever. And this, and the actor was telling Mark, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't, you don't have to gain the weight. It's, it's so bad for you to gain the weight. Don't do it. And so Mark was saying, I talked to so-and-so, you know how good he is. He's saying I shouldn't do it. And I was like, you know why he's saying that, right? He's saying that because he's the greatest actor of all time and he doesn't want you taking the crown. <laughs> he's sabotaging you. Yes. <laughs> That's how he's so good. He gets in everyone's minds. <laughs> he talks everybody out of doing, of gaining the weight. <laughs> He wants to be the only one that ever did it. But he's the first one that will go out and gain the weight. Anyway. I did that. I did that. You don't want to do that. Yes. <laughs> Not at this age. Anyway, when Mark eventually showed up as Thomas, you you weren't there that day, were you, Matt? I don't think so. I, I, no, I, I mean, I, I did see, I, did, I was there when Mark was Thomas, but I, I think I was there the very first day, no. I, I just remember when he walked in, there was just a, the whole cat, the whole crew was just like kind of stunned and had no idea who he was uh, because we were all so used to Mark who, you know, Dominic, who was a dominant alpha figure on our set, who would walk in, shake everyone's hand, you know, uh, look everyone in the eyes, talk to everyone. And then all of a sudden this guy, Thomas, came shuffling in one day and he was like an hour late to set because he was locked in his trailer scared to come to set and I had to go in there and like you know talk him off his ledge and 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 escort him into set and he walked into set and he couldn't make eye contact with anyone and I remember walking with him on the set and hearing the crew just you know catch their breath because who where what happened to Mark you know and then he sat down in front of the cameras and the first day we shot with Thomas was September 11th, 2019. And Mark uh, sat at the table, we had the camera set up, we had triangulated the positions of the cameras and we were ready to go. And Dylan, uh, our AD, he said, let's have a moment of silence for those, you know, for, for September 11th and those, you know, we lost in the attacks. And, um, and so we did. We, there was a moment of silence and then all of a sudden we heard this voice saying a prayer for America and it was Thomas and it was Mark and Thomas was born. We all heard Thomas for the first time and he was, and that's in the, and it became so poignant because that was Thomas's mission in the whole film was to end the war in Iraq, which eventually put two and two together leads to September 11th. And it was profound, you know, and unbelievable, and, and chilling, a chilling moment. And uh, yeah, I, I got to say, actually, I, I remember one of my me memories of Mark of you or both of you um, 
I've said that how personable you both are, you know, as intense as, as the filmmaking process is, you know, that you're so involved and your head is, you know, one's head is so in and needs to be in, into the space. And, you know, you, it's hard to, to kind of want to be interrupted because you don't want to break that whole creative process. But when there was downtime and there was moments where things were being set up and changed, you were both kind of like so personable and talking to people and genuinely like interested in everyone on set and all the crew, you know, just like conversations that quite often you wouldn't see that with a with a uh, an actor of your caliber and a director of your caliber and you know taking the time to talk to people like that. But when you Mark, when you came back as Thomas, you were so withdrawn into yourself, you know, like and and I remember like at one point trying to approach you like to just say hi but like it's like you didn't know what was going on around you like you were like it was such a different person I remember thinking going so it's going on what's happening with Mark is that big change they're like well he's he's Thomas now but I was like what an asshole yeah but that's how much you were living the character I mean clearly that's what no I was I was so in I was so insecure and raw <laughs> and I felt so unco- I mean the genius of you know so Derek did push me to gain the weight and he did because just having that weight on me changed my whole emotional life as well you know it was like I was uncomfortable I I I was um I I my I couldn't move the same way I was I was it, and, and it, it informed so much the character, but I was so, um, I felt so vulnerable. I felt so uh, naked. I felt, I felt so ashamed of myself in a weird way too. So yeah, I, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. I, I did sort of become that guy and I, and I didn't realize it. I was just um, very insecure. Uh, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't make eye contact with anyone because I felt so ashamed. It was, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was interesting. And, and, and a lot of it was the weight. A lot of it was the weight. And then, uh, you know, Derek, it was crazy that first day. He's like, you know who you remind me of? I said, no. He's like, Dennis Johnston. Daniel Johnston. Daniel Johnston. And um, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know who he's like. Have, you haven't seen um, The Devil and Daniel Johnston? And I said, and I said, no. He's like, you should watch that. And I went home that night and I'm in the middle of watching it. And I'm like, this is my guy. And a text, a banner comes up on my phone, on my computer saying that Daniel Johnston had just died. Well, I was watching it saying, this, I am playing this guy. It was the another crazy moment, you know. Um, that that whole day was just marked by so many wild, magical, weird, scary um, happenstances. The fact that we were shooting 9-11 on that day. And... Um, and that and that that prayer just spontaneously, you know, coming out of the scene, 
it, it was everything that I was proselytizing about, everything the character cared about, you know, the, that war and, and, uh, and, and the loss and, and what it does to humanity and the implications that it's had on the world because of it. Um, it was, it, there was something, <laughs> Thomas, as much as I was afraid and, 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 and didn't understand Thomas, it was the most satisfying part to play. He uh, was much more satisfying to me than, than Dominic. It's so strange to say. Wow. As little as I had to do, it taught me a lot. <laughs> Bless, you. Bless you. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, I just uh, conscious of the time uh, for both of your both of your time. Um, uh, Want to start wrapping things up? Like, you know, we could go for hours. Um, but um, there's a couple, just a couple more questions I just want to ask. Um, just one thing, I know in the past, uh, I've seen other, other chats that you guys have done. And I know you talked about, you know, how the importance of you know, cast members, certain cast members and crew members, but, um, and, and um, in Baal especially, you know, I just, just, you know, coming from a DP's perspective, you know, I'm interested to, to know what you think about you know, Jody, you know, how much Jody brought to the table, you know, and, and he's such a special, calm, pre calming presence with such a beautiful eye, you know, he's shot so many great films and, you know, uh, bringing his aesthetic to, to this, you know, I think, you know, it's a pleasure <laughs> for me to see him, you know, see another DP in action, especially on a project like this and, you know, the, the, the huge undertaking that it was. Just love to hear, you know, your thoughts. I mean, one of the reasons I, I asked Jody to do it was because well, I loved his, his work first and foremost, but even more than that, it was his energy. Mm. It, was, it was who he was as a, as a, as a person and his, uh, his, his calmness, because I'm not, all, I, I'm riddled with anxiety and angst. And that's my, that's a lot of my fire and my fuel that gets me going. Um, <clears throat> but I need a, I need a, a, a counterbalance for that sometimes. And Jody served that, you know, that he was, that, that was, that's what he was for me on set. He was the guy who would just be like, okay, now simmer down there, buddy. And he would tell me, let's, let's think this through. And uh, we're, you know, here's how we can do it. Here's your choice. Here's the choices we have. And I think we should do this. And, and then he added so much, you know, I was so nervous about the, the twinning. Like I had my, I came in with the whole concept that the whole thing was going to be shot counter shot that, you know, my, my North star was heat you know, De Niro and Pacino sitting at that table together and they're never on screen together. They're flip sides of a coin. You can't see both, you can't see two sides of a coin at the same time. And that was Michael Mann's genius. And we're going to totally bite that genius on this and just do mark and mark. It's all shot counter shot. And Jody, it's, you know, Jody and Eric Pascarelli at a certain point was like, you know, hey, hey guy, come over here. Let's talk about this. Do you we could do more than what you're saying. We don't have to limit ourselves to just the shot counter shot. No, the shot counter shot's the way to go. He was like, okay, well, let's think about it. And so I was like, okay, what are your thoughts? And so like that scene that Mark and I got in a fight on, you know, that was completely designed by Jody. You know, he had the inspiration to do that as a single take. You know, he was inspired by uh, Son of Saul and 
he wanted to make that a single take. And I was like, how can we do it as a single take and get in all this technical bullshit and, you know, trying to have two marks in the same scene. It just sounds like a nightmare to me. And Jody's like, I don't think so. I've been talking to Eric Pascarelli and here's how we can do it. And so they pitched me how they could do it. And I said, okay, come up with the shot. And I never, never really have ever told a DP to come up with a shot. I'm always right in there. Like, uh, you know, I, I kind of know what I want to see. And I was like, show me, okay, come up with it. Thinking in the back of my mind that it was that, you know, there's going to be elements to use from it, but I, the whole shot was it, you know, he designed the whole shot and there was, and so I just have such a great trust and love for him. Um, and I know, and he, he pushed me out of my comfort zone, which I appreciated because I know I was pushing him out of his comfort zone at all times too. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, you know, story of trust between two people, I think. That's Mark, awesome. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, his energy was the perfect sort of foil to my energy and your energy i would say <laughs> because you know i'm anxious too and i get i'll get you know worked up and and yeah and that flow that we were you know we were all in this dance together um the the, the camera department and the acting and um that movement, like you said, uh, uh, Matt, the zooming, um, there was, we were all kind of a, an organism that was working together as one. And, and, and that took a kind of sensitivity uh, that, Jer that Jamie, uh, you know, came, came, that Jody came with. Um, you know, he has an, an enormous amount of sensitivity as, a, as, a, as an artist and his eye is so, um, sensitive to the emotional uh story that we're telling so i was <laughs> you know a lot of it has to do with the kind of space you're creating um to to be working in and and each person brings a, their personality to that to that mix and they um they contribute whether whether they are aware of it or not, uh, whether it's de demonstrative or not, just their just their pure vibe of who they are, and uh, and so Jody has this just loving, inclusive vibe that allows you to be um, uh, very naked and vulnerable and and honest, uh, and so it was always calm, no matter how crazy things got, yes. and that's really appreciable. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good lesson. Such a good lesson for anything, you know, you know, in life, but especially on a film set where things get heated all the time. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish up with uh, this last thought or question. Um, you know, we've all been through a hell of a hell of a year, and um, you know, and it's not over yet. Uh, and um, you know, trying to think about all the people that have suffered and all the suffering out there. And uh, I recently spoke to somebody who's uh, trying to represent the, the disabled community in the entertainment industry and um, trying to raise awareness. And I think, you know, in, in disability comes in all forms, not just 
physical but mental. Um, and I think this project, you know, uh, you know, the the show that you guys made, obviously, is a lot about you know, your mental disabilities and mental issues that we, you know, that many of us go through, and you know, we keep up, we keep bottled up inside. And it's so important to tell those painful stories as much as it is to tell um, happy ones, uh, because that's we spend a lot of our lives in some kind of pain. And I think being able to see something that we can identify with that kind of speaks to us, you know, kind of helps share the burden, share our own pain. And, you know, you guys think on a story like that, such a huge responsibility, you know, as was a, a commitment to both of you. Now, moving forward with your choice of projects, you know, how do you think, you know, you, your choices will be informed moving forward. Well, I'm writing a comedy right now. I just shot a comedy. Yes, that's a, that's where we are, man. We. I didn't, you know, not to undercut the question, but, <laughs> but um, you know, we also need joy, and we need. Um, we need we need levity and then we need just pure entertainment too to get us to get us through uh, some of this and uh, you know but I do have to say that Derek and I always saw this as a comedy uh, you know uh, <laughs> we pitched it to HBO as a comedy we pitched it to HBO we pitched it to everyone as a comedy HBO was the only one who actually believed us um, and. Uh, you're being, you're being real now. We, we did. We did. I mean, we no, told no, him it was serious. We told him it was a serious movie, but it was Phil, it was what we were, yes. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> no, you can take that. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And I do, I mean, you know, it was a, like, I, we spent so much time laughing. Um, and I do think it's funny. And I, you know, I think the whole thing with like, my whole concept of like why to make a movie like this that is apparently hard, uh, you know, challenge, difficult. Uh, uh, it's like the anti-fantasy or something is that I think fantasy is good for people personally. I think it's good for people, but I think too much of it is dangerous because I think what fantasy ends up doing is it ends up minimizing our own lives because there's no way our life, we all grow up with these fantasy stories and gonna, you know, marry the prince, marry the princess, the kind of things. And it's not how life works. And so if you grow up having this expectation of this fantasy that's constantly perpetuated in, in your myths, that like, and then you live your life and you don't achieve those things. Life is such a disappointment. So in some ways, I feel like fantasy keeps us down as human beings. And so I, you know, even though I know this much is true, is hard, you know, apparently for, <laughs> I didn't think it was that hard, but, um, but I'm trying not, I'm trying to make movies that don't lie to people uh, to try to lift them up try to let people know that it's okay to be like this we're all like this we're all we're all human we're all flawed we're all beautiful we're all ugly we're all heroes we're all villains you know we're 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 happy and we're sad 
and and we have dreams and we have nightmares and all of these things come true you know and and it's all okay and we're going to succeed and we're going to fail and we're going to make fools of ourselves and we're going to make uh have success you know have uh you know be like the life of the party too sometimes and it's and like let's just deal with the wholeness of what it is to be a person and not just publicize or perpetuate game show host teeth you know the life of the game show host teeth which is just straight and white and and no cavities and just perfect you know and perfection is anti-human to me and so i want to find so maybe with a film like this we went like we went extreme the other way extreme past the other direction from per perfection to try to just hit people on a you know, on just the ultimate messiness of being a per of being human. An antecy. Yes, an antecy. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting this whole time. I have. You heard me say fantasy. You're like, oh wow. <laughs> this is. I heard you say the anti-fantasy. I was like, the antecy. <laughs> Listen, oh, I, I, I've oh, always. No, been, I just always have been interested in, you know one foot on a banana peel and the other in the grave, you know, like, like how that's what life is really like. It's, it's, it, it goes from absurdist, you know, divine comedy to, to tragedy and turns really um, in, in a single day, you can, you know, you could be laughing and crying uh, just the deepest uh, tears of despair. And, and that's really when you're really alive uh when you're really feeling and you're really experiencing um and so i've you know i, I look for projects like that I, I even things that i that i think that are funny always have that element of tragedy in them you know and so for me this is just a very cathartic thing it was very personal i think it was the same for derek and and it and it revealed itself to be more and more personal personal as we shot it i mean like in really surprising um ways uh our lives turned towards even our lives became um this this movie in 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 the strangest ways and um and sometimes you you make things like that. Sometimes you you get lucky to be able to tell the truth about yourself, mm. like deep truths about yourself in your work. And it's rare, uh, but this was was one of those moments. Beautiful guys! Like, thank you so much for for sharing everything. Um, thanks for letting me be a part of the journey of the show. Um, I feel very fortunate, um, not just to be a part of the show, but to have met you guys. Um, and thanks for sharing, you know, everything you have tonight. Um, I know everyone watching will be super thankful and, and appreciative. Um, I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to the rest of the Film Roundtable team, Erin Weil, Doug Torres and Maria Prieto. And thank everyone for listening. Uh, for your support for the platform and spending time listening to these great artists, Mark and Derek, discussing their craft and their views. Um, 
Matt, thank you. Please follow. Yeah. What's up? Thank you. Uh, it was really my pleasure. Yeah, that was awesome. great. Thank you, Matthew. That was really sweet. It was a yeah. Nice way to round all this out. So yeah, I'm that's it. Glad. Man. That's it. I'll see you at the 10 year reunion, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to connect again. Great to connect. Well, let's look after yourself. Stay safe and healthy. And um, guys, don't forget to follow us on you know our, our channel, Roundtable, Film Roundtable, YouTube, Instagram. Um, listen to our podcast and check out these wonderful filmmakers and, and more people like them who share their wisdom and their life experiences. Guys, be safe and stay healthy. Thank you, man. Be safe. Yeah. Take care. Bye, Mark. Bye, Jay. Gene.